If you have not yet booked your place on NG Poland and JS Poland, this is a good time. This event promise to be epic. We will host the stars of Angular and JavaScript from all over the world, who will come to Warsaw to do their best. This will make your career so like a rocket. Don't wait, do it now. What's up everyone? This is Dariusz Kalbarczyk, co-founder of ngPoland, JSPoland, AngularMaster.dev and WorkshopFest.dev. Welcome back to AngularMaster Podcast. Today we've got a special guest from Warsaw, Poland, a senior front-end developer, big picture, ladies and gentlemen, Kamil Gawek. Hi Kamil, how are you? Hi, hi, I'm fine. How are you? Thank you. Okay, Kamil, uh, Please tell us a few words about yourself. What do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, uh, I'm a front-end developer at uh, Big Picture. It's not a big company in Warsaw. Uh, I'm working uh, in Angular. It's my daily framework, but uh, I know React on, and Vue and Swelt too. So I'm not avoiding any kind of front-end stuff, any kind of, any kind of programming stuff. I like it. Uh, but uh, of course, we we are going to speak uh, about uh, about Angular. Yes, exactly, exactly. Tell me more about the big picture. What is it? Big picture is an app and a company that make it. Uh, the main objective of the application is to deal with portfolio project management. So, we our app is used by huge companies around the world. We estimate that we have about three million users. Uh, it's something around. Uh, 30,000 teams around the world. Uh, everything, oh, wow. every piece it's of a content. Lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, in fact, it's one of the most used project portfolio management app uh, that is known uh, on the whole world. And yeah, we are proud of it. And it's, it's totally a Polish product. So uh, the team behind this app is not so huge. And the whole front end is written in Angular right now in Angular 12. So we are keeping up to date. And it's a huge app. Uh, even the same front end part is really, really big. And if you add the probably twice as that of back end, it's like, I don't know, really huge app. One more question about the big picture. It is a yeah. startup. You see it as a startup, or uh, right now it's not a startup. It's uh, around 170 people. Okay. Uh, we work as regular company, but uh, the atmosphere that we have is like startup. We are really happy to work in the way we work. Uh, it's really uh, electric atmosphere. There, even when now when we are uh, at home office, uh, everything is remote, but atmosphere is always hot. Okay, that's that's great. Can you describe what is the biggest problem with a huge apps? I think that's of course the biggest problem with huge apps is the scale. So you have a huge code base and you have to deal with a lot, lot, a lot of things. So you have to deal with, uh, with bugs, you have to deal with performance, you have to deal uh, with almost everything that you have in small app, but the scale is very high. So uh, maybe an example. When you have, let's say, a huge app, uh, about thousands of components, yeah, and you want to change the 
state management uh, library to another one because you found that there is a performance problem, yeah? So in small app, you're able to do it, I don't know, in day two, maybe a week, yeah? In medium size, week, month, something like that. Do you want to uh, guess how much time you need to change the state management of whole app of 1,000 components? How much time it should take? Oh, uh, no. Yeah, because it's not possible to calculate. The number of uh, variables are so high, the number of components is so high, and there is no answer how much time it should take because we don't know what happened during the whole process. So uh, it's the biggest problem, and uh, there is uh, one quite easy solution for it, but it's time-consuming. You have to plan everything in advance, you have to do incremental changes and probably most easiest one can use to solve all of the problems to get from point A when you have old lib and to point B when you replace the whole uh, usage of old library with new library. Of course, there are other problems. Huge apps have issues with building time, the tendency to become legacy, many performance issues and so on. And uh, it's possible to deal with it with a good plan, uh, good and aware devs. It's very important to have aware devs because they have to know that they're working with hard, with hard project and have to know that it's not easy. Uh, but after all, you can do it with incremental changes. What is an incremental changes approach? Uh, incremental change approach is the way of making changes. Instead of doing one huge uh, time-consuming and very risky change, you should try to change small pieces and in short period of time... So baby steps. Get, yeah, like baby steps. And it's nothing new because uh, we know these mindsets under very different names. Uh, in programming, one of the first things you learn is that you should uh, decompose the problem into smaller ones so you, should, you can uh, easily uh, deal with it. And for incremental changes, it's almost the same thing, but... It's not applied to code, to code base, but to the state of the app, not the state management, but the state. So you want to get from state A where uh, something is not as it should be to point B where something is better to point C better and better and so on. It's never ending. Uh, and it's uh, it's basically the, the main idea to split huge problem into smaller ones and trying to deal with uh, to deal with uh, the whole thing in period of time. So maybe let's go back to our example. So if we want to change state management leap in our 1000 uh, component app, we should start with something smaller, yes? Yeah, we but should how? start with uh, a proof of concept because we yeah. don't know if new leap will uh, fix our performance issues. So we should try it. After that, we should uh, find a good practices of using it. We should uh, prepare uh, a reference piece of code for our devs. They should have um, a piece of code they can look and uh, use as an example of, uh, of using, of testing, and so on. So after that, you should uh, hand it over to the devs. And in period of time, they will uh, rewrite the whole thing, but they have to, uh, they need to uh, have some kind of example, some kind of good practices, and everything should be checked. Uh, even if it's changing in period of time, you should check every change. 
Uh, and yeah, even in uh, that huge app that is 1,000 components and it's incredibly huge, but I heard about uh, 3,000 components app, apps in Poland. So there is at least one app that huge. And it's not easy to do it because if you want to do incremental changes, you have to predict. You have to know your domain. You have to know your company, the conditions and everything. Oh, I forget to mention that you should uh, set the tools uh, that will help you as soon as possible because automatic checking is very important in incremental changes. So what kind of tools can help you with that? Let's uh, start with the simplest one like ESLint. So okay. a lot of people use ESLint only to lint files, and it's okay. It was designed to do it. But if you configure it in another way, so you'll check for uh, bad practices in only in new files. So for example, if we ban usage of old library in new files, uh, it will not uh, spread out in new files. So it's very important to set it out, set it, and it's only ESLint. We have styling, we have other kinds of lints, and of course, other kinds of tools. One of the lesser known, but totally awesome tool is Better. Better is a, um, a test framework written by one of the devs of, from Spotify. And it's a testing framework, but it's nothing similar to units or to end-to-end -to -end tests. Yeah, it's dedicated for incremental changes approach. So you define goals that you want to achieve in period of time and it will check for you if uh, the progress. So you can, uh, for example, define that you want to uh, erase every usage of any keyword on your code base, because we all know that any is bad. And you have, for example, uh, hundred usages of any. And better will uh, will uh, will allow you to write the test that will keep the changes. Uh, and it will allow you only to reduce number of any's. So nobody will push new file with any. It will just uh, blow the continuous integration and that's all. Really cool project, really worth to, to check, in my opinion. Uh, we use it and it just works. And it helps us with regression. So if we uh, agree on new practice that we are going to to do something like, I don't know, adding uh, in new way, constructor, constructors in new way, we can uh, set the betterer and it will uh, keep new files clean, but uh, it's not necessary to change uh, every old file. And it's important because if, if we try to change uh, severity of as lead from warning to error, we have to clean all of the code, uh, old code base, yeah? When we set betterer, it says, yeah, this change should uh, only reduce the number, but in new files, you cannot, uh, you cannot use that, that old, style, uh, old style types or, or something else, yeah? It's quite abstract thing, but really worth it to try. That's a really cool tool. I need to try it. Are there yeah. any other challenges during work with that big app? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned the, the build time and it's hard to do because uh, there is uh, very little knowledge on the internet how to speed up an Angular build. And basically everything is in Angular JSON, so you cannot uh, mess with Webpack directly. And 
for me it's not great but still you can improve a build time and it's very important to have short build time so uh, your devs are happy because uh, the time from uh, hitting uh, save to seeing the change on screen is very important if it takes a lot long time they will get angry and nobody wants to work in a place where you wait for changes like i don't know half a minute it's insane uh, uh, yeah, okay. with a big, complicated and hard project, it's very important to uh, find tasks for developers with very different experience levels. It's not easy because uh, not everything is easy to fix, not everything is easy to develop. So uh, you have to, uh, I don't know uh, how, but you should find a way of assigning tasks to write devs. So they can improve their skills and they should be happy of working in that hard project and the satisfaction after day of work that they uh, get to know new things, they fix hard problem and today every problem is hard and harder is very important because same pro project is uh, hard. So uh, you don't want to make life harder. Uh, Oh, yeah, and code organization is uh, another problem. So if you have thousand components, you have to organize your code somehow. And right now we have two recommended ways. First one is uh, monorepositories. Second one is microfront. Do you use monorepository pattern, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, both of those solutions have pros and cons, uh, but monorepositories mono allow you to manage huge code bases quite easily. Uh, you can use the same components in every app you have, and everything is in one place. And it's very easy for everyone to understand where it is. And yeah. Uh, that's, so that's why, why not micro frontend? Uh, okay, so the main problem with micro frontends is that it's awesome in Angular, of course. We have platform and we can communicate micro frontends, but it was designed for cloud-based apps. So uh, you just have small apps that you can deploy independently. You can uh, replace small small part of your application, and it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you have on-premise app on your client server, you cannot ask your client to access the server every few days and update your app. It's insane. So, micro frontends are quite hard for on-premise installs. And the big picture uh, has two versions. One is cloud-based, and microfrontends would work there. And second one is on-premise. So we choose the monorepo. It was the better option. Uh, but still, microfrontends totally awesome in Angular. What kind of performance issues uh, do you have to solve in big picture? OK, I think the um, quite standard uh, performance issue is page load time. So. Uh, you need to show the time from page refresh to first contentful paint, and it's very important. But it's well described on internet. Uh, every uh, performance uh, tutorial will tell you you should shrink that time. Uh, we have a lot of cool tools like Lighthouse or internal dev tools of Chrome, and it's nothing new. We knew how to do it. It's described and. For me, it's uh, like standard procedure right now. Uh, 
But the second time is a build-time performance. Uh, we uh, we talk about it a few minutes later, a uh, few minutes before, uh, and it's very important to have it sh short. In dev um, environment, it should be short. In can uh, it can be as long as you want in uh, production, but it has to be short because, as I said, if it takes a lot of time, uh, people will get angry and nobody wants to develop that, that app. And the third part of uh, performance issues uh, are my favorite uh, problems. So JavaScript runtime performance and rendering issues. There is almost nothing on the internet about it. So every problem is like a riddle. You have to find a way of solving. You have to find the, the main problem and it's hard. It's not described and it's like secret knowledge. Uh, and so it's fun because it takes a lot of time and you every, every time you need to, to investigate that it's something new it's not always the same thing so yeah it's a really cool thing and uh, i would like to know a lot about this kind of stuff but as i said it's like a uh, secret knowledge you cannot learn from internet you cannot learn from anybody because every time they learn something new and, and they are trying to solve it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the whole big picture team is going, uh, is doing a great job in terms uh, of performance, you know, because it's for us, it's uh, like a highest priority of, uh, of the things we can do. We should always focus on performance. It's important for our customers and it's important for us. How often do you have to work with performance? No, uh, performance is not something that you can fix, in my opinion. Always page can load faster, so we are always ready to try new things and optimize our app. It's never-ending story. Okay, okay. So it is possible to do some kind of automatic, automatic process that help you with uh, incremental changes on uh, performance issues. Yeah, uh, some aspects of performance checking can be measured and can be measured automatically. So you can get the, something like reports that in this day your app was that fast and a few days later it was that fast. And yes, some kinds uh, of measurement can be done automatically. Uh, uh, we have one quite interesting, uh, I think, uh, internal framework. So we have solution that is able to measure uh, performance of rendering and uh, starting of our components. So we created a solution that encapsulates a component without any uh, endpoints, without uh, with mode data and with specific uh, settings. And we are able to find if our component works as fast as uh, no month ago yeah so we know that if we can uh, deploy the thing and it's fast or faster than it was uh, and it's interesting because uh, i know that angular team uh, has something similar to check uh, between versions of angular so they can uh, leave us a message that uh, Angular 12 is a uh, few percent faster than 11 and so on. And what is interesting, we found that there is a performance drop between Angular 9 and 12, and it was a huge drop. But uh, I, I, I don't want to worry you. 
come down because uh, it was connected to the very specific structure of components. And I, I'm sure that not a lot of apps are affected by this problem. Uh, right now, we fix all of this. There is a ticket on Angular repository. But uh, as I said, this framework was like some, something awesome for us. We found that we cannot upgrade from uh, Angular 9 to 12 because app will slow down. Okay, wow. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, when you have uh, that big app, you have to deal with this kind of stuff. And uh, it, it's super awesome because in smaller apps, you'll never have these kind of problems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Camille, it was my uh, last technical question. I yeah. have a few more non-technical. What do you think about that? Okay, let's start. I'm a little bit afraid about them. <laughs> <laughs> I really like these questions. Now, what kind of person is Camille? How do you see yourself? Yeah, I was afraid about this one. So, uh, okay, so... I don't know how to describe myself. Uh, uh, I always wanted to work with computers, so I, I'm living my dream, and I just love to be developers. Uh, I'm writing code at work. I write code at home. Sometimes I even write code when I sleep. So, uh, yeah, I'm living my dream. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't mind creating a backend or frontend code or any kind of code. Uh, not so long, so long ago, uh, I created uh, and open source uh, even an Arduino code in C++ that is far, far away from a frontend that is my daily basis. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to do my best in programming. Programming is just fascinating me. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm trying to share my knowledge and skills, uh, and I think it's important part of myself. Uh, I'm a speaker uh, on conferences too. Uh, it's just a great opportunity to share my passion for code and so on. So, yeah, it's I, I think it's important part of me. Uh, the second one that probably is good to mention here that I'm always trying to change few things for better in, uh, for example, in uh, IT world, uh, since I'm, I started doing technical interviews, I found out that you should always summarize uh, every interview. So uh, I'm just going through the, all of the questions that I asked and uh, I told uh, the candidate that that was good, that was right. It, the answer was not full. And if something was bad, I'm trying to say, what's the answer, how it works, or recommend book, uh, article, or something. And I think it's very important to, to do it, because if you don't do it, your candidates uh, don't know what happened. And yeah, it works. It works. It's, I'm trying to, to share this knowledge. I'm trying to share this practice uh, along my friends and company, and it just works. It's worth to do it. It looks strange because for all of the years, nobody uh, did something like that for me. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do, to do it for uh, another uh, candidates. So maybe world world will change in that that way because it looks quite nice. That's amazing. Well said. Thank you. So do you have any hints for us regarding self-organization? Oh. Uh, another hard one. Uh, 
I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe let's start that uh, self-organization is a lot easier when you have uh, daily routines. So you get up on the same hour, you work for eight hours, not more. It's quite important to, to stay with eight hours. Uh, in my opinion, it's worth investing in your home environment. So a standing desk, good mechanical keyboards, good mouse, uh, very good screen uh, are very important and worth every penny spent. And it helps you with focus and helps it helps you with yeah the whole self-organization. When you want to go to the room where you have every piece of cool stuff, you want to work and it's a lot easier. Uh, yeah, but I think that uh, everybody should find their own way of self-organization. My tip is that try to uh, get up at the same hour every day and try to make your uh, environment as friendly as possible. Amazing. Do you have any favorite hobbies? Oh, <laughs> uh, I know okay. uh, programming. Uh, uh, yeah, programming is my long-term passion and nothing changed since, I don't know, 10 years or, or something like that. Uh, but I have a lot of other hobbies. few of them are, were very short-term, but uh, for the long terms, uh, I love to cook. I'm playing a guitar. Uh, uh, I've, someday I found out that I like to make things. So in my life, I was making in my free time letter wallets, uh, guitar effect pedals, because it was connected to the guitar passion. Uh, during the second wave of, of coronavirus, I made an electric guitar in my flat in Warsaw. Wow. It, it was insane because the dust was everywhere and so on. But uh, I found that video of guy who was making uh, their own guitar with one hand because the second one was broken. And uh, I thought that if he can do it with one hand, I should be able to do it with two hands at home. And it's totally awesome to make your own guitar at home. So I tried it and it works. It's not that hard. It's after, uh, I think that it took me about three weeks to, to end it, but I just like to make things. And, for me, it's like fun that I can try new things and make something that I like, uh, that I use every day, and like wallets or guitars, yeah? Wow, that's amazing, man. What kind of music you play? Oh, uh, that is a hard question because uh, for I don't know how many years I'm trying to learn how to play guitar very well, and I'm just playing what my teacher says me to play because uh, like okay. in programming, you have uh, challenges. So if you play something, you always can play something better. And yeah. after when I'm happy with my skills, uh, he goes, check out this piece of music and I'm, wow, <laughs> I'm not going to play it. It's too hard. And after a few months, I'm playing it. And again, he's going with new, new piece of music that is main blow. So uh, I, I think my daily driver is uh, rock or rock-related music, okay. but uh, I played a lot of blues. I, I played a lot of uh, any kind of music. If it's uh, a challenge, I'm trying to do it. Wow. So I play the bass, by the way, and I'm a big fan of the effects we use. Um, uh, you said you create your own pedal yeah. board. I have also a really 
big two I think two big pedal boards and I change the pedals every every week it's not every month every week I change some of something and I really love it it's funny because uh, I think I created something around 50 uh, 50 effects and, okay uh, during the pandemic I sold them out. Uh, every uh, every effect I had, I sold them out, and I changed it into <clears throat> digital one uh, from Line Six. Okay. Uh, just to play through the internet because even during pandemic I had the lessons through the internet, and yeah. it's a lot easier to connect something that emulates a whole yeah. stack, and it's worth to invest it if you want to play through the internet or play on uh, your um, headphones. Yeah. But yeah, I sold them out, and uh, I'm I'm not sure if uh, I will not create some more. <laughs> <laughs> because right right now I have only this one digital, and that's strange. I had fifty fifty effects. Yeah, exactly. Right now I have only one. Only one, yeah, exactly. One for everything. So what's what's about uh, your lo- work life balance? Do you have some hints? for our audience yeah i think that the most important thing uh, during the pandemic during even even in office you should uh, take a break uh, and it's important because it helps you not to feel tired at the end of the day uh, and when you're remote uh, working uh, it's even harder because it's quite easy to stay uh, in front of your uh, computer for many hours and not to stay even for a coffee because there's nobody at your kitchen and there is no reason to go there. Uh, So I found a quite uh, satisfying for me way. So I'm working four hours uh, at the morning. After that, I'm taking one hour break for exercises, for a shower after exercises and lunch. And after that, I'm working four more hours and after changing my life into this kind of um, schedule, uh, for me, it was a lot easier to, to sit in front of computer for many hours because even after four hours, that second four hours of work, I'm closing my work computer and putting it uh, in, on the left of me. And I'm just uh, powering on my second computer, that's my home computer, and I'm still programming. So after not only eight hours, but eight hours of work in big picture and uh, the rest of the day uh, working on my personal pet projects or or, uh, speakers thing and so on. So yeah, if you can try to do one longer uh, break in the middle of your day uh, you'll find out that it works perfect so regarding conferences you will be a speaker at ng poland 2021 what are you preparing for this year's edition okay so the presentation name is uh uh angular things we love things we hate as always there are some parts of framework that we don't like it's not working or we just uh, we are just angry when we want to uh, take this uh, kind Achieve of Achieve something, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, I ask myself what I hate uh, about Angular. So I write the slides down. And after that, I thought maybe it's 
only my opinion. So I asked my uh, friends at the big picture uh, what they hate, what they like in uh, uh, Angular. And after that, I thought that, but I'm still asking someone that is working in the same project. So probably the things that they love, that they hate will be the same. So exactly. I decided to ask the whole internet. So I post the, um, the form on Reddit, on official Angular Reddit. And after a few days, I had few answers uh, on this. And you know what? We all hate the same things. We all love the same things. So it's something amazing, something universal in Angular that we don't like. So if it's really true that we don't like those things, we should change them. Exactly. And it's a lesson from the whole speech that there are some things that are not good in Angular, but we can change it. We can make it better. Exactly. Thank you so much for this great conversation. Uh, it was very nice to host you today. Thank you so much. I looking forward. I'm really looking forward uh, to your presentation at NG Poland. No, yeah, something so, like 25 days, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So it's so it's very very soon. Camille, thank you, thank you so much. It was great uh, to see you today and hear you today. Thank you for having me, and we'll see you at the conference. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.